Dimitri's going to be on the roof with water balloons. Oh! Yes! Please! Yes! I'm doing it right now. Please! Hey, this is Aaron Barrett from Real Big Fish. I'm a very famous person in a very famous cow band. This is Peter Camber from Ladies on Showtime and NCIS Los Angeles on CBS. That's a chortle. <laughs> you hear it, right? He's chortling right now. Chortle? Chortling. He says a chortle. I can't do accents at all. I can't can you do wait. Jamaican? No. Because Jamaican can... me mad. I hate you. Hey, this is David Kecker. Hey, it's Dave Perner from Soul Asylum. When the show's over, I have sweat pain, like, <laughs> everywhere. Whenever was... you talk about yourself in pain, yeah. that's pretty much what sets me off. Hey, this is Gary K. Wolf, creator of Roger Rabbit. Hey, I'm Jeremy Shada from Adventure Time and Voltron Legendary Defender, and you are listening to the Gag Order Radio Show. I hope you have pants on. No. no. What's your name again? Gag Order Gag Radio. Radio. Crazy mother. And we are off. We're live. It is the Gagware Radio Show. In studio is your host, Jay. Uh, John had to step out for a moment, so I don't know if he'll be back. He actually left his phone in here, so I don't know. I'm glad you made it. Yes, yes. Uh, I made it, but the rest of my hairline didn't. And that's Dimitri in the bush. I said the bush. The uh, bush. uh, What about Australian? Yes, in the bush. Um, You are in the booth. Yes. So let me explain what happened. I uh, you always out, have a story. You always have a story. I know, which is just life. <laughs> but I uh, I found out that I have a last minute wake to go to, which is it always stinks to have that. Um, as you're playing Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, that's Legends why I was kind of muting coffee. it a little bit. No, but it's fine. I don't care. You can play it. <laughs> um, and it's uh, just one of those things where I was like, oh no, I look like a homeless person, and they're probably going to kick me out if I show up. The way I, I did, and I was because of your told, hair, they'll kick you out of a week. Well, because it was not just like my hair, dude. It was bad. It's like not I, like you have like heavy metal hair that down. But your... for us, it is, and it's you're not you didn't go get your hair done or anything, and you're showing up to a wake for family. Oh yeah, okay, so it's kind of like ah, yeah. You you want to have some respect, so um, yeah. I went to go get a haircut, and I was looking. I told Dimitri in a text. I said, you know what? I wish I had. White guy hair. It's a lot easier to manage because there's like 72,000 places between here and my house that does <laughs> white guy hair. Uh, and only two that do black people And hair. unfortunately, the one that you used to go to is no longer there. So there's only one. <laughs> and then the other ones are just uh, Hispanic hair. Happily, I have Dominican in me, so I can kind of get it done there. But even there, they're like, ah, we don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. So que fue? I- no. Okay, and I'm like, I don't really speak Spanish, so can you cut? Acqu- according to you, white people can't do black people hair. Well, according to the proof on my head, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't see it, honestly. Yeah, well, if you look up close. But I have no actually, idea what I'm looking at. Well, this, well, one, you'll see that it looked like he decided he was going to cut jigsaw puzzle <laughs> pieces out of my forehead. Um, there is a layer of skin missing, and that's not a joke. Uh, there's a tuft of hair missing from the back. <laughs> Uh, he was like, I can't really do the beard, so I'm going to leave it. I was like, thank Jesus. Something's going to survive. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bad. He tried to draw my mustache, and it missed. And was like, I probably won't touch that. I'm like, you should just probably stop touching my face. <laughs> then he was like, it's $35. I go, for a disaster. Here, no tip. No, listen. If you want a tip, 
it's don't ever ask me for a tip again because I might kill you. Like I I haven't committed murder, but I'm honestly yeah. contemplating. If you want a tip, murder. don't ask for one. Yeah, just don't ask for one. Because had you done a job worthy of a tip, I would have given you one gladly. Because I always tip whenever I can. I always but give more. Thirty five dollars. That's a lot. Yeah, thirty five dollars for what is the equivalent of? I guess what he thought when you're supposed to be still. They teach you in in barber class, I guess, to be still with your hands. He equated it to rolling around in a rock tumbler for 62 hours because <laughs> that's what my hairline looks like. And then he said, oh, your original hairline, ah, never mind that. I'm going to make my own up. And that's what he did with a white pencil. And then he missed the pencil because it's still on my face. He completely missed it. He missed the mark he created. So he drew the white line on your head. And then missed. And then missed his own line. Yes. A lot. <laughs> Dude, I'm... I look like I sneezed every time you touch my head. That's what it looks like. I was just like, you want to just shave me bald? Like, from I'm from really, over here, you look fine. From over there. But then I also used to have a thing of, I just, this doesn't feel natural. This feels itchy because it's never been shaved. This, this usually hair here. You might as well go bald. I, I, I was thinking that. And then I thought, oh, that also means I might as well go fiance-less. That's what that means. Well, your fiance doesn't love you enough to. I don't love me you. enough to go bald. Are you kidding me? I'd be like, okay, that's enough. Jay's not going out into public for at least six months until this thing grows back. Like, it's just horrible. Look at this. It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I'm, I don't know what to use on your face to, to take care of, you know, after I do the razor. I go, what do you mean? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? He goes, do I use a straight edge or uh, an electric? I go, use the electric. Okay. So then he puts soap and water down. I go, if you're using the electric. You don't need soap. You don't need soap and water. How long have you been doing this? I've been cutting hair for 16 years. Yeah, I was like, right. Yeah, whose hair? Well, mainly my clients are Asian and white. I was like, so why would you say, yes, you do African-American hair? Because according to my license, I do. I go, but according to your dumbness, you do nothing. <laughs> you do nothing. You just snip. I'm surprised you have, like, buzz cutters. Like, I will say that. It does take a lot of skill to be able to do black hair yes because it's, it's a whole different beast it's a whole yeah. completely different thing he was like how do i blend the hair i can't tell you how to do my hair you're the, <laughs> you're the guy you're the guy you need a different guy and he goes oh so what is this for are you going out for a night on the town no not like this i'm going to awake so everybody's already dead so i'm fine <laughs> it's, i mean is that does that work is that what we're doing you're just making sure that you kill any chance of me having like a life because it's all you're lucky you already have out. a girlfriend because you're not getting no 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 this is no this is this is suspect <laughs> i think on the ride with her she's gonna go look i gotta talk to you about that no longer existing hairline of yours like i think we have to call it quits i might get the ring in my nostrils because this is bad she may hit me and punch me and then punch the ring into my nose because that's how bad this is doesn't make any sense and i'm itchy like I've never left the barbershop itchy. Yeah, that is actually really strange. Like, well, I, I mean, no, like you're oh, well, no. New hair, new hair makes you itchy because the old hair just kind of like goes on your the old I'm, snipped hair. That's makes you itchy. the thing. He didn't cut up here, and I'm itchy up here. Oh, okay. It was from where like he put his hand. So I don't know if I met Lice Man. I don't know <laughs> what the hell's happening. This is nuts. I will never. I was like, I can't listen. Sorry, supercuts blows. I will never go there again. Why would you go there in the first place? Because it was a supercut, and I needed it super fast. Supercuts should be like fifteen dollars. Oh yeah, no, no, thirty-five. Supercuts is cheap for a reason. Yeah, no, it's thirty-five. This was super duper cuts. The <laughs> duper part is where they dupe you into thinking it's a good haircut. Oh man, I did not see a mirror until I started to leave. What? Yeah, I didn't. I'm. I'm now thinking about it. I didn't because he kept spinning that chair. 
He spun that. There was chair. no mirror in front of him. No, I kept. He kept spinning me away from the mirror, and I'm like, "Can I check?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a second. I'm like, "You can't give me. I'm not. This isn't <sighs> clay. So let it rest. You got to put in the kiln." And then when I saw like, because this, I'll tell you right now. You can't tell from where you are, but when uh, like we well, go to our I, next I'm break, also like, I'm also like twelve feet away. Yeah, but when so when we go to our next break, I'm gonna have you come up and see. Like, so normally my hairline comes out near my eyeball, like my eyebrow here, and then goes back and cuts in. Okay. So he had did this one side, and that's the side I saw. And I go, wait a second, this almost looks like a straight line down from the top of my goddamn head <laughs> to my chin, meaning. He completely erased my hairline. Yeah. Dude. That's pretty much what he did. He sucks. If he represents all of Supercuts, they need to burn it down. <laughs> Supercuts should not exist. Well, I mean. This is, if a woman, if, if I was a woman and I went in to go get a haircut and I came out like this, that building would have been on fire. <laughs> like I would have just turned back around and the police would have been like, you know, we understand. Because he most definitely just left you just a little lock of hair to the left, <laughs> and everything else is gone. Just botched the rest of my head. Dude, it looks like I got in a fight with a boxer and then went in with a concussion to get a haircut. Myself. <laughs> I looked in the mirror backwards. I couldn't figure it out. I kept going right instead of left. I, do, I, don't, I don't get how you can go to school. And He had his license just prominently posted. I'm itchy from where the pencil is. God dang it. Um, the inside of your nose is itchy. Yeah, it's all, if you come up close, there's white on my forehead, <laughs> and it's jagged, and then there's across my... I have, like, Hitler mustache drawn in white pencil. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're, you know, you're right. White people hair is easier. Yeah. Because it's, it's just... It's snip, snip, it's snip. snip, snip, snip. And yeah. if you guys want a buzz cut, you're going to the military, you're racist. I don't know. It's just... It doesn't work. Yeah. This, this my hair is sense. easier, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, if I had your hair, I'd go in and be like, can you just cut a little bit? And I'll just quaff it to the side. Yeah, I can easily go to any barbershop be like, just say, give me an inch and a half shorter. They just cut it and... No, now I have to go find patches of hair <laughs> from Obama dolls <laughs> and stick it to my hair. Like, I can't I can't do this. This is bad. Or I think I have a black Sharpie somewhere. You can just sharpen it. No, this isn't going to be Sharpie. If you can find me a poodle... <laughs> <laughs> that is suffering from hair loss. I will gladly pay you for its sheddings. This is ridiculous. This sucks so much. There's like a tuft of hair missing. It looks like he was like, oh, I'll just take this. <laughs> and I'm just going to use so it. So you actually have a blind, sp- oh, blind spot, bald spot in the back of your head. I have a semi-bald spot because I think he realized, oh, I'm an idiot and I should stop doing that. Dude, it goes in like it looks like my head should connect You know if you complain and if enough people complain, he'll get fired? I want supercuts to be fired <laughs> from the industry of giving terrible haircuts. No, 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 no. Seriously. The, I want them to be fired. I should have gone to the nail shop with the Chinese woman. <laughs> she would have done a better job. With the, the with cuticle. nail clippers. Yeah, the cuticle nails, like scissors. She would have gave me a dope hairstyle. This is terrible. I, I really feel well, like I Well, lesson just, learned. Yeah, lesson learned. Gravel is better. <laughs> I should just stick I think I have a box it. cutter around here somewhere. I could probably do better. Dude, this is bad. This is b- it looks like they tried a hairstyle where they were like, "You know what we're going to do? We're going to give you a ski slope in the back." Why? Oh, yeah, one of those on the side. Yeah, it's so stupid. This is dumb. The ones it's, that you see pictures of online? I should have just done a, a, like a mohawk. He probably would have still got that wrong. <laughs> it'd be a it'd be an S curve in the middle of my head. <laughs> Golly. And he was so proud of himself. I think I was his first one. You may have been which is not – you don't want to experiment on a person that says, I've got a wake to go to. <laughs> How about you know not to do that? Go, hey, guy. No, not the guy. 
sorry. Not this one. You need to drive to Dorchester. Get the next one. Risk bullets to get a haircut. Because <laughs> I'm definitely going to botch it. That's unfortunate. The guy you normally go to is gone. Oh, yeah. He cleared out. Because he did only white kid hairs. And uh, and he was like, um. No, he, was, he did both, didn't he? Yeah, but there wasn't many other clientele showing up. Oh, so he wasn't and, in the he wasn't in the right neighborhood. Well, he he did a really good job at everybody's hair. What ended up happening though was, um, he used to like he used to challenge people. Yeah, and that's something that happens in the hood. Doesn't happen in those neighborhoods. No, nope. uh, playing Madden. If you lose, he'll take an eyebrow. <laughs> it happens for white kids in college, but not when you're in middle school or high school here. And a prominently white uh, suburban yeah. neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Dude, so he shaved one too many eyebrows, apparently. Apparently. And they were like, you've got to go. So the eyebrow napper is gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, dude, I was just, I was like, if he were there, I would have had it. He would have gave me a haircut in 10 minutes. That's the other thing. He was taking 10 minutes. This guy chiseled. Like, I gave him the Mona Lisa to duplicate in, in actual, like, marble. Well, that's how you know when somebody is good, when they, they're quick and they actually do a good job. Yeah, they are precise. They know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. This yeah. guy was not. This guy might as well have had cock eyes. Like, he just should have had one eye inside pointing I downward. think he was, like, fresh out of school. No. no. 16 There's years. There's no way he was doing this for 16 Dude, years. but he was a young kid? No. Oh, okay. That's, the th- that's why. If he was a young kid, I'd be like, ah, I'm good. All right. I'm sorry. Maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he, he should stick to white people hair. Yeah, he should definitely stick to not my hair. <laughs> he should just never touch another person that has too much melanin in his hair ever again. <laughs> That's just never going to happen. And I was like, some, I realized on the way here, I was like, sometimes you got to be racist in certain things. And I was like, not when it comes to like walking through the streets. That's just, you know, you're bigoted by clothing. That's That's clothing driven bigotry that's okay. what that is you know okay. when you see a bunch of people because if i saw a group of white kids wearing hoodies and stuff i'm gonna run what, not is, um, what, what was it uh what, fubu yeah yeah all that stuff like fubu for us bias used to be a cool thought and then they it made it look kind of scary so no um but I, when it comes to things like okay i need to go to a person that knows my hair i now I, i'm adamant about that i i will say that that is very true it's if not you- true for women like, for black women, they can go – if you go to a person that takes care of hair and knows how to take care of hair and won't treat it with chemicals, go. And a lot of, like, white salons will do that. They won't treat it with chemicals. Go to a black salon, like, let me put a permanent. Why? <laughs> Why? Like, you're just – oh, I don't know. I just want to make it straight. So then treat it without bleach, basically. <laughs> like, it's peroxide. Treat it without poison to my body and health. Treat it without things that are going to give me cancer in two minutes. So bottom line is if you find a good, dependable bar- uh, barber... Put him in your basement. Because well, he will not be there in a couple of months, so put him in your basement. <laughs> Just stick, stick with him. Oh, and also, the other thing is, for any barbers listening, because I know there are some barbers that are listening. And if you're hey, listening, barbers, sir, what's up? Um, if you're, if, sir, give me your if you're address. I'm haircut. sorry, but you stink. Um... For me, you could probably do Dimitri's hair fabulously. Mine, never again. $35. Yeah, $35 for murder. Um, I didn't know I had to pay to get killed. That's different. <laughs> I never had that happen. It's like pay to be insulted. Mine's usually 22 with tip. Oh, no. That's, wow. 22 with tip. Yeah. I need to go to where you're at and try this again. <laughs> they don't do bad. May- maybe they should try salvaging this because they probably do a better job. There's uh, nothing to salvage. You, if, if anybody else tries anything, you'll go bald. Well, I also want to say this. To, yeah, true. Um, I want to say this to uh, barbers out there. Stop giving your card out and telling people to call you, and then when they call you, the line is disconnected. Just stop. 
Oh wow, yeah, dude! I called every barber that gave me a card, and they were like, "This number is no longer." Well, how long ago did they give you the card? Two, three weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just, you know, maybe it's not steady for you, and you should just just go get a track phone. <laughs> just go <laughs> get a track phone. You know, they have unlimited uses, right? Doesn't they have unlimited data or whatever? You can... A metro piece of crap. They have, <laughs> you know, they have what they have. <laughs> They have data and stuff I've like that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's, you know, because it only works past a certain point <laughs> when you hit Rhode Island. It doesn't work anymore, but they sell it in Rhode Island. Go figure. Um, yeah, uh, get one of those phones. Stop with the Sprint because you're sprinting into bankruptcy. Uh, you, you know, Sprint uh, got the the Verizon guy. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's good. I can also hear the people that he's charging going broke because that's what happens to these people. They are not able to afford their phone plans so they're losing clients that would be calling in for an appointment to get their hair done well you also have to understand that it's an expense that you have to un- i look like with. eddie munster i'm actually really upset about this <laughs> i'm sorry this is really no upset. no I, I will say a bad haircut is extremely annoying yeah it's it's upsetting i almost have to go pay for another haircut to get the rest yeah. of my face done although you can't though because you have so little hair left yeah and I, that's a so that if they try nuts? if they try to fix it you will you will never ever have a hairline again yeah and it, maybe i i should just try to see if they can fix my beard like they're gonna laugh the hood's gonna laugh because they're gonna go uh what are you doing why where'd you go really listen <laughs> I had an adventure and I went to Supercuts. <laughs> and then it will be 72 hours of laughter <laughs> before they actually decide to touch my face. <laughs> so by then, hopefully, some of my hairline will grow back. Maybe they have uh, Negro Regrow. <laughs> Is that a thing? Can we, can we market that? Negro Regrow? We could spray it into my pores and it grows back really quickly. So your hair doesn't, go, doesn't grow very quickly? It will be fuzzy midweek and then back Saturday. But it'll be raw and depressed because it'll be like, I don't know what happened. Why did I have to die? I normally don't go anywhere. This is, I feel like I'm going to have electrodes stuck to my forehead for a special test. Like, that's what it feels like. This is, I, and then he was supposed to, like, he's supposed to clean under here. Did he shave? Nothing! Wow. Dude, this is... The, the barber that I go to, they're old school, so they still use the straight razor. Yeah, but I can't use straight razor because uh, last guy to do a straight razor caused, like, a MRSA outbreak. So that's fun. Yeah, no. I, I want to say the, the word for you, but I can't. Yeah, but it's fun. It's good. Uh, the word for me is it's calamity. Is genuine, cherished. Just Jesus help me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. Take the wheel. Just I, at this point, take the clippers. <laughs> Jesus, take the clippers. Because this was this was bad. I I don't. It almost feels like he did it driving next to me on the way to the studio. <laughs> Like it just doesn't make with his sense. arm out the window, yeah, going fifty miles an hour down the no highway. Way you miss this much. Basically, if you don't know how to do the hair, follow the line that's already there. You know, like don't do much. Just make the line that's already there sharper. Clean that up. Mm. He was like, "Oh, nah, that's just that's a suggested line." What I'm thinking is it's like the starting speed limit. from it's your fine. ear and the back <laughs> of your neck. That's where I'm going to start from. I, I've always wanted to try this golf tee look for somebody. That's what I look like, a golf team. <laughs> this is so annoying. I'm really I, I don't know black hair, so I can't really say what's good or bad. Apparently, I, neither do I because it's not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got off. The, like I remember talking to, to my fiance today, and I was like discussing uh, getting a haircut. And she goes, yeah, get a haircut. Although, and I wrote before she sent it to me, I don't like my hair low. And she writes, 
don't get it low or else. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're on the same page. This Barbara, however, was like, I'm going to test your relationship. I'm going to see how it works. How about we try the insane one? We're gonna try- how yeah. low do you want it? Yeah, I should have said, hey, how about you just not touch? You know what? This was a mistake. I'll just give you how many other barber? How me. many other people, employees were there? There was at least five or six other people. Were they all busy? They were all women. Oh, uh, okay. That didn't want to do it. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we don't know. Well. And he's the senior guy. Ah, uh, well, that, he he thought he knew. But I guess he doesn't. <sighs> There's so many other things I want to say, but none of them are appropriate for I know. There's just, if you could hear me on the way here. You would have thought I was the black version of Hitler. Like, I was so out of my mind mad. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. There are Indian guys that would have done better. I'm going to go to an Indian barber next time. Are there any? I've never seen one. Actually, you know what? I have never. Can someone let me know? I've never once seen an Indian barber. I've never walked into a place that has, like, Nispu. <laughs> I don't know, Rajesh, Ganesh, whatever one of the the deities on the wall. I've never walked into a Thai barbershop. I'm gonna try foreign barbershop. I'm gonna be an experiment. I'm gonna come out. Give with, it six months till your hair grows out, though. Yeah, except for they're gonna make me look like Freddy Krueger. I'm gonna come out looking bad. This is something else. Why don't you uh, you look some barbershops up during the break? Yeah, I will. Um, they're gonna say none in your area. Sorry, and they're gonna tell me to go to Detroit. It comes with a complimentary bulletproof vest. Uh, uh, so we'll be back. Uh, hopefully, once we come back, we're going to have Candy O'Terry on the phone with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to discuss, obviously, her notoriety in the Boston scene. But then we're also going to talk to her about her music yes. and her album that she's releasing. And I'm also happy because I saw on Twitter that she is a co-founder of a woman, a Boston women's in entertainment and media group. Yes. That's something I'm huge about. I'm always about the pro-women uh, movement, so let's talk to her about that. And much more on the gag order. Where's my hairline? Show? <laughs> And we are live. It is the Gag Order Radio Show, and I'm still your host, Jay. Alongside me is still Dimitri. Yep. And the song you've been listening to is called The Gift. It's by our very special guest. Uh, if you're a local here in the New England area, you should know the name. Uh, she's been uh, a namesake here for I don't want to say how many years, because uh, I always hear, don't say how old a woman is, or else you want to <laughs> die, lest you want to die. Um <laughs> But uh, it is Boston's very own Candy O'Terry. Hey, hi guys, how are you? Hi, how's it going? Oh, it is so good to be on your show. I've never been on Gag Order Radio. Does that mean I'm not allowed to talk? <laughs> no, well, that used to be what it meant, and then we realized it's more just I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I think we like confusing people more. They can't tell what type of program it is. They're like, is this either it's inappropriate or you talk a lot about law, which we we don't do any of the latter. So. <laughs> it's- it's well, more. it's a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thank you for being on, Candy. So did you happen to hear anything from the first break uh, about my hairline? <laughs> no, I didn't. And I can't imagine that your hairline is not perfect. Uh, so we now know she doesn't have much of an imagination. No, uh, <laughs> my hairline, listen, <laughs> is uh, 
Yeesh. I think I, I equated it to the guy thought being still meant rolling around in a rock tumbler for a couple of hours because that's what oh. my hairline looks so like. So maybe it's got that windblown look. You know, women dig that though. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> say, I'm gonna say they probably. No, that's, that's my hair actually. Yeah, your hair. <laughs> But I I have different hair and no because last I checked um, afros don't blow in the wind. <laughs> they uh, well listen, you know the still. thing about radio, okay? <laughs> you know people they hear your voice and they think, ooh la la, you must be so handsome. So don't say anything. Just let all the women think you're the most handsome guy in the world, okay? See, that's the beauty of radio. That would work <laughs> if I didn't have videos out there. If I didn't know myself. If my mom didn't call and say, remember, you're ugly. Um, it's just <laughs> a lot of these things you're saying are awesome, and I wish you were in our career earlier on. So there'd be something <laughs> called self-esteem in studio, but that's not here. Um, but, no, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's it's actually an honor to have you on because I never thought we would have somebody of the caliber of you that's been in uh, radio here on our program. We had an a individual named Dave Berenstein a long time ago. Um, but you are the namesake for Massachusetts. I think I grew up in the Oh, to wow. You. That's so, so nice. Yeah. So um, I, I, first and foremost, how have you been? What have you been doing? Oh, wow. That is such a great question, and it's a long answer. So everybody, grab a sip of your beer or your wine, and I'll begin <laughs> telling you the tale. No. You know, you were saying it's never nice to ask somebody how long, you know, they've been on the air. And i got to tell you, I'm so proud to say that I was on the air for 25 years here in Boston. And... Um, since leaving Magic, um, I was on Magic 106.7 for that whole time, and I decided that I wanted to leave because I felt like I had done everything that I had set out to do on the radio, and I felt like it was time for me to try to do some different things, and so they offered me a contract, and I very kindly said, you know what, I've loved every minute of this career here, but it's time for me to move on, and so I did, and I have to tell you guys that, and I'm sure every anyone who's listening knows that when you make a big career change like that, it's kind of like jumping off a cliff and not knowing where you're going to land, so it's kind of scary, and it's exciting all at the same time, so the first thing that I did was I um, put the finishing touches on a project that I'd been working on or had been working on for about a year before I left the radio station, and that was to put together my very first full-length CD. You were just playing a cut from it. Thank you so much. That was The Gift with David Corey and Jim Brickman, and it's called Dream Come True. And I took every song that I've ever recorded throughout the course of my career, and I added a few new ones, and I packaged it, and I hired a graphic designer, and I had producers, and it was so much fun. And then I found a beneficiary that I was really passionate about, a local charity called Lucy's Love Bus. And it is a charity that was created by a young girl prior to her death. She was only 12 when she died at Boston Children's Hospital. And she was one of those kids who was wise beyond her years. And she wanted to provide comfort and care to children who know they're dying. So wrap your head around that for a second. These are kids who know they're really, really sick. They're not going to get better, but they can benefit from acupuncture and Reiki and horseback riding therapy and art therapy. So that's where the money that I've been raising for this charity goes to. And so I've been selling my CD. I'm almost sold out. I'm very proud to tell you guys. And so that was project number one. Project number two was to complete 
a children's book story, a, a series that my daughter and I had been always wanting to write. So we've written three books, and it's called Nelson's Garden. It's a children's book series for children ages four to nine, and that's in the hands of quite a few publishers right now. So keep your fingers crossed and wish me luck on that. Most definitely. And then thirdly, I really, really, really wanted to continue acting in film. And so I've done two movies since I left Magic 106.7. Pretty exciting. That's awesome. What are the names of the movies? Are you allowed to say? Sure. Well, the names of the movies are, the first one is a short film, and it's called Shepherd's Maiden. And it stars Lenny Clark, the comedian. Oh, wow. And I I play his wife in this. And um, it is being used as a promotional vehicle in the hopes that they can do a full-length two-hour feature film. So it's going to be shown, but in a limited way, throughout the Boston area. And then the second movie is actually um, it's being produced by Angelwood Pictures. Both of these, you know, the first one um, was produced by Wild Beagle Productions, a North Andover, Massachusetts production company. And the second one um, is being produced by Angelwood Pictures, and they're also local. And it's called Code 13, Unreadable. And it is a made-for-television docudrama crime series. And I play an investigative reporter who um, has her own show called Regina Wild Live. And I do a key interview as part of a crime investigation, and all sorts of information is suddenly found out about the kidnapping live on television. And I'm the one who's the investigative reporter. Isn't that fun? That is kind of awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. So that's what I've been up to. And then I just accepted a job as a media coach for a company called Bruner Communications. And Bruner was... um, Uh, established by Liz Bruner, who I think your listeners may know and remember very well. She was the 6 o'clock news anchor on WCVB for decades here in Boston, and she started her own communications company. So together, she and I do high-level executive media training. So that's for anyone, or is that just for people in the industry? Uh, It is for anyone who's going to come in contact with media and wants to know how to use their voice and how they should look on camera and how they should handle press and how they should handle, you know, teleprompters and all that stuff. Hey, Jay, you know we're in the media, right? Uh, I thought I was just told to come here for my – this is part of my therapy (laughs) just to talk into this microphone thing. They actually yeah. record this for my mental Into health. the microphone thing. <laughs> yes. It's this thing, and then there's a screen in front of me, and sometimes it says, you're not talking, and it's a very angry Russian. <laughs> it looks like you, Dimitri. Oh, yeah. So that's what I've been up to, and I forgot also there's one more thing, and that is that I've been teaching voiceover at Boston Casting. So if you want me to be your voiceover teacher, just go to bostoncasting.com, and uh, there's my, my cheap, uh, my cheap uh, prompt to come and join my class. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, this good way to get your plugs out. Just, there you go. <laughs> honestly, we never mind. You can just, just lace everything you say. It could be every other word as a plug, and we wouldn't care. Like, honestly, no worries. No worries. So, you know, I, I, again, I think that, you know, when you make a big change like that, it can be really scary. But on the other hand, it can be really freeing because the sky is the limit. And all the things that you've ever thought about doing, you know, you can kind of step out and, and give them a try and see what feels right. And I'm very fortunate that my husband is a patient man and uh, that he's, he's, he's given me the freedom to do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very lucky girl. 
<laughs> well, he should also know that you like you kind of know this industry. You know what you're about. You wanted to try something new, so he should trust your judgment more. It's not just that he you're does. a lucky girl. You're you're also a mover and a shaker. You've been doing it on your own. You've been recording these songs throughout your career, so clearly you had an idea of what you wanted to do. So. You know, I'll tell you, a lot of people, and you know, I'd love to hear about the two of you, but a lot of people get into radio because they always wanted to be a disc jockey on the radio. And they would listen to the radio growing up, and they would do impressions like, hello, hi, you know, I'm on the radio, you know. And that was never me. I always wanted to be singing the songs on the radio. Yeah, it was and, me too. Yeah, and, and so I, I got into radio as a jingle singer. You know, you hear jingles on the radio, at least you used to hear them a lot. You don't hear them that much anymore. But I was one of those people who was singing jingles and doing voice work. And I needed a full-time job. I was a single mom very suddenly. And I thought, hmm, I have a degree in English from Boston College. I'm, I've been singing my whole life in bands and things like that. And I know popular music inside and out. And... Um, I, I, maybe I could get a job at a radio station. Duh. You know, I mean, like, literally, that's how it was for me. And then I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting for four months, and I got my, my um, FCC license, and I started out as the secretary to the program director at Magic 106.7. That's how I got my start. That's pretty awesome. See, I was saying this uh, yesterday. I was talking to, uh, like, a coworker here, just discussing how it's – it's such a different perspective on how to get into the industry than it was in the past. Like you had a drive and a determination to get in and you're like, Hey, I'm going to talk to some people here, shake some hands. As long as they see me, they'll like me. And it was there, it was available for you. Nowadays, it's not at all. <laughs> it's just, it's- you know, I, and honestly, isn't that, you know, and, and now I'm speaking as, as someone who really, I'm hoping that, that your listeners can really hear what you're saying and what I'm saying. The industry has changed so dramatically. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there was a law that was passed in 1996 that allowed radio companies to purchase and own in a market more than one FM station. And so suddenly major you know, owners started purchasing smaller radio stations. And a lot of those little mom and pop stations where people used to be able to get a job and make all their mistakes and then move on to a bigger market went away because they just got gobbled up by these big companies. And so there are no places where you can go and make your mistakes anymore. There are only big major market radio stations, and it's hard to get your foot in the door. Now, the way that I got on the air for the first time was, and this is an awesome story, so listen carefully. We had a guy who was doing overnights, meaning midnight to 5 a.m., Monday through Friday, even on weekends, and he had six children. And by day, he was an exterminator. And by night, he was a disc jockey. And he had this horrible habit of falling asleep on the radio. No. (laughs) No way. And, of course, you know, the poor guy. He's got six kids. He's exhausted. He's already got a day job. So he kept falling asleep. And my boss said to me, because remember, I'm the secretary, okay? And he said to me, listen, you got to give him a call and tell him, if he falls asleep one more time, I'm going to let him go. Well, he fell asleep the very next night, and my boss said to me, call him up, haul him in here. I'm going to have to fire him, but I want to do it in person. So it's a Friday, 
at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when he fires this guy. At midnight, we have no one coming on the air. Now, remember, the famous David Allen Boucher is on the air from 8 o'clock at night until midnight. This guy comes on after that. And my boss looks at me and he says, you're on tonight. And And I'm really honestly, I'm in my little cubicle, okay, looking around thinking, you must be talking to someone else because it can't possibly be me. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be great. I know you're going to be really great at this. And it was one of those moments, Jay and Dimitri, where you literally have to say to yourself, am I going to have the courage to do this or am I going to say no and blow my chance to do something really fantastic? And I remember thinking, okay, if you think I can do it, I can do it. Now, I, you know, I knew how to run a board and all that stuff, but that's very different from being on a big number one FM radio station, a legendary station. And for God's sake, coming on after David Allen Boucher, I was terrified. I literally stood outside the door with my knees shaking, thinking, who do I think I am trying to do this? I didn't even talk until 3.15. I was so scared. I ran the board. I kept running the songs. And I finally just said, oh, my God. I dropped to my knees. I said a prayer. I stood up. And all I had to do was say one line. You're in the middle of a continuous half hour of soft rock. And then hit the next song. And my voice was like this. I'll do an impression. You're in the middle of a continuous half hour of soft rock. Like, it was horrible. Okay. But somehow, by the end of that night, I kind of found my sea legs, and I loved it. I loved it. Now, I sucked, okay? It's not that I was just a little bad. It was that I was really bad, okay? Because I was so frightened, and I sounded so young on the radio. But my boss believed in me. And, you know, the thing is, what no matter what profession you're in, you just need one person to believe that you can do it. And if you have a great mentor, you will be successful. And that's, you know, that was the start of my career. I was on the air ever since that day. Wow. That's amazing. That's way better yeah. than our story. Our story is we started off failing and we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but you're loving every minute of it, right? Yeah, yeah it's it's fun. I I uh I got into the industry for a whole different reason. I was doing neurosurgery as a study and my health decided to not agree with me and then I ended up it was a challenge I had a friend go in and do a radio interview for his music and uh one of the hosts was like you don't know how hard this is and I go I do understand how hard it is and I could probably do it too said I'd never get a show and then I almost owned that station by year's end so (laughs) that is fantastic and again you know it's just so interesting the paths that we go down in our lives you know sometimes and I'm really a big believer in this sometimes the obstacles are there for a reason because they're guiding you to where you're supposed to go I can definitely see that yeah yeah Dimitri just kind of got he was actually a trade-off he was one in a divorce (laughs) (laughs) no he was just a friend of a friend who was like hey he knows computer stuff so maybe he'd be good at like doing the board which has nothing to do with not at all i don't think she understood (laughs) uh, well it sounds like you guys are a great team and um so yeah i mean i i just feel like um i i've been hit by a lucky stick i feel like i really got a lot of opportunities while i was on the air and I, i will say this though that I loved being behind the scenes as much as I loved being on the air. And my job morphed into becoming the assistant program director. And I did that for 13 years. 
And um, I was always on in the afternoon um, doing traffic and weather and news and things like that. So I always had an opportunity to not only experience what it was like to shape the form and the sound of the radio station, but also to be on it at the same time. And then when they moved me to mornings, I thought to myself, hmm, because I'd filled in a million times doing morning drive, and I thought, oh, this is going to be hard. I had no idea how exhausting it would be to get up at 3.30 in the morning every single morning for two years. Wow. It's life-changing. And the idea of doing that for two more years after I felt like I'd climbed that mountain, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd done every job I could do at the station, and I'd done it well, and I thought, you know, it's time for me to go do some new things. I agree. And that's why, well, actually, we'll use that as a means of segueing to something else. Um, one of the new things that you've done, although I don't know if it's been something you've always had uh, in, the, in the works while you were on air, but the Boston Woman women in uh, entertainment and media or media right. entertainment. Yes. Thank you so much for asking me about that. And if anybody's listening who's interested in media or entertainment, um, we really would love to have you join us. So the organization is called Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. And I am the president and the co-founder. The woman who I co-founded it with is an, a woman who's got more vowels in her name than anyone else I know. Her name is Dela Arabella. Santori. God is my witness. That is her name. And she is an event architect. And so she and I come together, me as a broadcaster, she as a PR and event and marketing person, as kind of the perfect team to really shepherd this project. And we have over 200 members. And we are a female organization, but men are welcome to join. But most of our, our, our members are female. And we're a nonprofit trade organization and our mission is to connect and educate and inspire our members and we have a live interview series called the story behind her success we have quarterly networking parties that are really very powerful and workshops throughout the year and um, it's just a way to bring women together who are in those areas and it's anybody from a, a photographer an entertainment photographer to a makeup artist to a singer to a musician to an actress to a broadcaster to a PR person, anybody who's involved in media is welcome to join. And I'm really proud of what we've done so far. The organization was founded in 2012, but it had come out of another organization called American Women in Radio and Television, which went defunct here in New England, and I just picked that up and turned it into Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. That's awesome. Is it, yeah. So you're saying that this is open to men and women, or is it just Absolutely. Men? It's just that we are we – are, chiefly a female organization but we are an equal opportunity employer so dimitri and jay you are welcome to join us if you should like to i was gonna say jay wants to join already I <laughs> actually it, it's it's funny you say that because i genuinely do want to get more involved in the the actual industry here because i feel this is the same for music in boston and as you become more and more familiar with the scene here you'll learn uh, a lot of musicians here will tell you there's this crabs in a bucket mentality in Boston, mm. and there is just no real, honest to God support the way you would hope in other states. And so, getting into an organization like yours, at least there's some kind of, uh, I want to say, a glimmer of hope at the end of the road that there's other people that understand the struggle or at least have the interest and the desire to get further in their career. 
Um, you but- know, I think you're so right about that. There are two organizations, though, that I'd like to share with your listeners. One of them is, um, is called the Arts and Business Council. And they are very active in Boston, doing everything they can for local artists, all the way from um, from helping them with like a musician's toolbox series, all the way to legal help. They are amazing, the Arts and Business Council. And then secondly, there is an online newspaper slash magazine called the Arts Fuse, F-U-S-E. And it is just an amazing um, nonprofit and its goal is simply to promote the arts, whether they be visual arts, auditory arts, whatever it is, they are all about it. So those are two things to remember. So the second one is Art Fuse? Yes, as in Light Your Fuse. Fuse, all right. Yeah, I'm really actually cool. Check that out. I mean, the online one sounds a lot easier just because we're always on the go but i do want to join up <laughs> listen to me i'm i'm asking for a membership i do <laughs> want to join up uh with your organization and just be able to shake hands with people and see absolutely it's just a great way to get to know people and you know you guys listen you, you know this and 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 your and your listeners know this connections are everything connecting right. with people is so important because relationships uh-oh. Relationship building is so important. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's more important, again, like I said, just to reiterate on the previous point, it's more important here because there's this weird uh, – you're going to understand the dichotomy between where you were as a on-air host and to where you are now as a musician is you're now expecting someone to give you the opportunity that may have been asked of you before. I, I don't know. Actually, I wanted to touch on that. There was a question I actually had written down where sure. it was uh, – how do you feel being on this side? Were you ever approached before by artists, and now do you see how wow. it was? You know, that is just such a great question. Thank you. I, I, have, I have literally been in a room many, 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 many times. You know, think about it. When an artist has a single and they want a radio station to play it, they have their record label most of the time, and then they have their promotions person, and sometimes the artist will come to the radio station to play their song for the program director, the assistant program director, and the music director. And there you are sitting in a room with this artist who's got a Korg or they've got their guitar or you're just playing the single on, you know, right from your computer and they're sitting there listening to it and they're asking you to play their song. And I've sat across from um, Rachel Platten who hey. is very famous for her number one song, Fight Song. She we, is from Newton, Massachusetts. We actually talked to her a couple years ago. And I've sat right across from her. I have sat in the same room with Megan Trainer. I it, it is stunning and amazing to see how artists feel when they're in that small environment and they're saying, please play my music. Please believe in me. Please see that I'm really, really good at this. Give me my shot. Give me my chance. And that's very humbling. And so every time anyone plays my song or songs 
throughout my career and 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 three of them charted throughout the course of my career so that was also very interesting because i was picking up the phone as a programmer here in boston asking programmers across the country to play my song and they were like wait a second aren't you the apd at magic and you have your own song what's that all about yes i do and oh could you please support me it's very humbling and again there's an art to it because you have to remember to say thank you you have to remember who your friends are it's really a good idea to send a personal note or to leave a voicemail for the program director saying, thank you so much for allowing me to come in and sing my song for you. I hope you'll remember me. I hope you'll add my record. Again, relationships, relationships, relationships. That's very true. And it's, it's not just, how do I put it? It's not just the relationships that you forge here that are going to help you out in this local market because everyone always has this misconception about being the most famous in Boston. That really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. You want to You're find right. somebody that can talk to another entity for you, serve as that liaison for you to get you out That's there. Right. That's right. And, you know, there are, you know, you know what's happened to the music industry. I mean, there used to be so many, you know, labels and so many small imprints labels. And now there are, what, five great big companies. And a lot of artists are taking their careers into their own hands. Um, it's amazing how many major artists. Let's just talk about James Taylor for a minute. He was signed to first to Apple Records, then to Columbia for 30 years of his career. He's an unsigned artist right now. He handles his own career. That's stunning to me. But it's, it's becoming more and more the norm for so many artists because they want to control the trajectory of their own careers. They want to make their own decisions. It's also and because they own more of the publishing at that point. Well, the, inter correct. the internet and social yeah. media helps with that, obviously. That's yeah. the main platform. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole new world for artists. And, and on the one hand, it makes it difficult to get your music played uh, worldwide in some cases. On the other hand, it gives you the freedom to sort of choose the, the, the way you want your career to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's... The other side of it is, like, because we've had Rachel Platten on, so we've we've helped her break. Like when she first started, what was it, a thousand ships? What was that? Uh, yes, yeah. we played that song in the middle of the night on Magic. It was only played on the overnight, but we loved that song. Yeah, and we helped. Uh, so the difference between how you guys did it and and the way we did it is you you had the traditional what everyone seeks out that the uh, frequency envy. Everyone wants right, to be on right. FM. Everyone wants to be heard on the radio. The county spins. We took it upon ourselves to say we're going to try something different because we understand just how dire the situation is for new, like new musicians. We said, all right, we're going to take your song and we're going to give it to all of our friends that work in the industry because we're already talking to their artists, already established artists. And then she went on that whole world tour and came back and yep. we had discussions with her. We helped out Jillian Jensen, who's a network friend, uh, Ashley Sophia. We've helped out a bunch of these artists that started out small that became something we just approached everything differently. We said, we believe in your project so much that instead of making you big in this backyard, because we understand you can be super popular in Boston from here to the Cape, but then no one will know you once you leave, we're going to just drop your name into the hat of some of our friends that happen to be in California at Capitol or some of our friends at Warner Brothers. And that's kind of where we thought this would be the new way of doing it, the new dynamic means of handling uh, the industry, just in regards to musicians. And you know what, you guys? I know Rachel well enough to know she's never going to forget that. She will never forget that you did that for her. And, you know, that's the beauty of the business that we're in because I think a lot of people – 
have a lot of heart in this business um, because we all wear our hearts on our sleeves, don't we? We all are performers. You know, you guys are performing right now. I'm performing with you right now. You know, we're, we're all performers. And if we can support one another, it's such a great thing. And it only helps the greater cause, honestly. So I'm so glad you did that for Rachel. And, you know, I jumped up and down so many times in music meetings for artists whose songs I truly believed in. You know, I remember once standing in front of the door uh, saying to my program director and my music director, I'm not moving until you, re- until you have this record. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome how you do that. I believe in this person, you know. Well, that's, we had a, a guy on um, a while ago, George Ezra. Um, we actually oh, played sure. his song. We played his song before it became popular. When he was still overseas, we had his music on, and we let him know we were really close with him. Because I'm just bringing this up to kind of touch on a point that you said about Rachel. Uh, we we played his music. We were the only people in the states playing his music. We really pushed it out to some of our our friends in the industry, and then he hits and he becomes big. And the guy could not look our way if we set ourselves on fire with fireworks. I remember hearing his song at Walmart. Yeah. And we were like, hey, George, you made it. And he sent, like, likes and thank you. And, and then suddenly it was just gone. <laughs> He's just – we don't exist You know what? Shame anymore. on him. Yeah. You know, karma's a bitch. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, again, you got to always remember all the people on the way up because there will be a way down. Let me promise you that. You know, it happens to a lot of people. But, again, I am just a huge relationship person, and uh, I think connections are everything. So that's one of my – and I also believe that what you throw out into the world comes back to you. So I'm, I'm real big on that. Well, you know what? I, I was, I'm hoping that you, you're going to be able to answer this question. Do you have any gigs coming up that people can check uh, you out at? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. You know, I have, um, I have some things planned for the fall, and what I'm really hoping to do – is, and I'll definitely let you guys know about this. I've been asked to be part of a showcase in, at Scullers, and we're working on a date, and I love singing at Scullers. So um, I'm really excited about that. And so you'll have to have me on again when I have that date. How does that sound? I, we will definitely do that. And maybe we'll do some tickets. Oh, That'd be great. Wouldn't that be fun? That would actually be fun. That'd be a lot of fun to be able to do a giveaway, especially yeah. to somebody who's yeah, yeah, a yeah. fan of yours. So that'd be really good. Thank you. Do you miss it? Um, do I miss it? I'll tell you what. I miss being on the radio every single day. I miss being on the air. I don't miss getting up at 3.30. And I can't stress that enough because what it did was it just exhausted me to the point where I felt like I lost my creativity. And I'm really, that's very important to me. And um, so, and when you're terminally tired, you're not really a very nice person. You can tend to be a little on the cranky side. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't like that part either because I'm a pretty positive person. But I turn on the radio uh, and I say to myself, God, that, that, I love that song. I, I, I'd like to play that song. You know, I'd like to talk up that record. You know, like I love the Justin Timberlake, um, Can't Stop This Feeling, okay? And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's the song of the summer. I would have wanted to add that right out of the box. I want to talk up that song. I can't, you know, and I can't do that right now. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, if, if I had an opportunity to be back on the air, I'd probably do it as long as it wasn't in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so afternoon drive. 
Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I we'll like see. afternoon drive. We'll more. see. Hey, here's the thing, because if you were to ever want to get into it, we have, trust me, we, we have ample time for you to come in the studio and do it. Uh, we have a decent studio space, so we would always love for you to come here and just work Ooh, on the Ooh, that would be somewhere. so much fun. Yeah, and trust me, we're all for it. Um, But I would suggest you pull away from being the traditional music jock. Because you have a voice on you. You can talk. So I would say just go into talk radio. Also, I say that because listening to your music, it's got that adult contemporary feel. So it belongs in a station where you're able to touch a, like a, a wider audience. And I feel as though, and this is going to sound really mean, but I need to say it. You should replace Delilah. And she's probably killing people at night. So you should replace Delilah. Because you Ooh. have excitement in your voice. You have life in your voice, and she it, she puts people to sleep. And it's not on purpose. She's such a calming person. And it's I feel as though having you on air doing the same type of thing where you're able to talk to the audience a bit more rather than just go straight into the next cut is way better. Because you have So stories. what are we going to do? How are we going to make that happen? Why don't you become my agent? Does that sound like a good idea? That would actually be a lot of fun. <laughs> Come on. Seriously? A namesake like you? All right. So you're going to be in the studio tomorrow. Got yeah, it. Okay. It's, <laughs> it would be great to have you on air just talking because you have more stories than the average person. You know, you're, you're going to come from both sides of the spectrum where you're a musician now pawning and vying for position in this industry where you had to you used to be the person that actually gave that opportunity and you fought for those people so it's such a different view on things and then also just being at one point a single mother now you're you're remarried it seems like you're you have organizations under your belt you're always focused you're always moving forward you're this progressive woman of the new age you didn't like sit back and let time claim you you're always going and that's something that's not out there it's always the safe women that are just here to make you feel like oh you know just be comfortable with me on air let's play in the eyes of an angel and call it a day no you're (laughs) you know you're here you're a voice and i think that's something that if any of the fans are, are really paying attention take that away from this entire interview is there's a side to you that's now tangible that wasn't there as just a morning host that came in and announced songs and had a co-host that you right. kind of bounced and, and, off and of. did the news and did the traffic yeah, and did the weather. And that, uh, honestly, you guys, that's why it wasn't enough for me. I, I just didn't think it was. But I'll tell you, there's one little thing that we haven't touched on, and it's probably what I'm most proud of from my career at Magic, and that is a show that I created called Exceptional Women. And it won more awards than any other public affairs program in the United States on a commercial radio station, 45 local and national awards awards. And in this show, it was only a half an hour long. And in the show, we would talk to one woman once a week um, about what she had done with her life, how she had gotten to where she was today. And a lot of the women were really, really famous. And some of them were what I call backyard heroes, women who are just, you know, like your mom, your sister, you know, your aunt, somebody who does incredible things with her life, never asks for applause, but has a really great story. And so I really like to continue doing something like that. I really enjoyed doing that show. Well, one, you can have that here. Uh, We have great stories in studio. We have amazing people. You should actually talk to – I don't know if you're familiar with a young woman named Shonda Foster. She's actually one of the hosts that frequents here. Um, She does a sports Uh show, but she's also a cancer survivor who's adamant about radio. Um, Uh But uh, I also want to point out that 
We were going to touch on that. We're just really slow, and you said an hour, so we were trying to make it work. Um, <laughs> it's That's the way we do it. We like we digress a little, and then we come right back and hit the point. Yeah. So Because it's the first thing. If you check her Wikipedia page, it's the first thing. You can't miss it. Um, but then it's also just such a prominent thing to have where you're actually highlighting the accomplishments of women around. It's not again, it, but it's still not you. It's not you saying how you've come over, like you've overcome your challenges or you've faced uh, ideas in your life that you said, you know, what, I'm going to put all my effort into this and make it happen. So I, that's why I was saying you should come on air. I, I was going to touch on. The program, I swear. Yes. Oh no, no, no. I'm, and I'm sorry if I jumped, if I jumped too soon on on your question. But I do have a really funny story to tell you guys about Mariah Carey. Can I tell you that story? Yes, because everything okay. about her is. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan, but yes. Well, first of all, I always, you know, I, I think I, I would see all the tabloids and everything about, what, you know, what a diva Mariah Carey was. And so I was a little bit nervous, you know, to do that interview. And she was coming to Boston um, for an event. And so there were uh, quite a few people who had been given permission to interview her, and I was one of them. And so she was going to be uh, at the Four Seasons, and she was in the penthouse suite of the Four Seasons. And I had an idea. And my idea was I knew that Maddie in the morning was going to be there, and I knew that all the other big morning show hosts were going to be there. And I wasn't doing mornings at the time. This was like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I had this great show, and I knew she was going to love to be on it. And I had my producer with me, and we were just going to be taping it from her hotel room. And I wanted to be memorable. You remember how we were talking about how important it is to be authentic, to be memorable, to create a relationship. Yeah. So I went to Winston's and I got 16 long stem white roses and I put them in a box, one for every number one song she had had by that time. And I had a big diva bow put on the outside of it. And I show up at the Four Seasons with my great big box of roses. So along comes Billy Costa and Maddie in the morning. They're like, hey, hey, what do you got in that box? And I said, listen, get your hands off my box. These are my roses for Mariah. And they were like, oh, that's such a great idea. I wish I thought of that. And I was like, well, you didn't. And I got my roses and get out of my way. <laughs> so it's finally my turn to go upstairs. And her bodyguard, you guys, I want you to think about a dining room table. Okay, this man was as wide as a dining room table. He had shoulders and hands like mitts. I mean, it was unbelievable. So it's my turn to go in and she she sees me. She comes right over to me. We have this nice embrace. I hand her the roses. We have this unbelievable interview where she told me stories about her life growing up on Long Island, her dogs were poisoned. She was in a, her, her family is part black, part white. There were kids who couldn't play with her. Her dogs, like I said, were poisoned. She had a job working in a hairdressing salon, sweeping the hair off of the floor. That was her job, okay? Mm -hmm. Then she decides she wants to go to New York City. She's, she had a little journal that she kept her um, poetry in and she was um, trying to shop this journal to a record label and started talking to publishers and things like that and somebody offered her five thousand dollars for her journal 
And she told me, you know, I got to say this, Candy, I had no money. I was scamming a bagel from the vendor, you know, in Greenwich Village on my way to, you know, some job that she was doing at the time. And she said $5,000 was like $5 million to me. But I believed in myself, and I knew that those were going to be songs for me someday. So I didn't sell my journal. Those five um, songs in that journal became her first five number one songs. That's awesome. So that was my show. It was a way to sort of get the backstory, even if you were talking to a really well-known person. I've just told you guys three or four things about Mariah Carey that you did not know. And that was the, what the show was all about. So I really loved doing it. That's really awesome. And, and well, on Mariah's part, she should have figured if they're going to pay me $5,000 for this journal and they don't know me from Adam, I should probably hold on to it. That's also like well, a I'm common sure sense move. She's no dope. <laughs> Let me tell you, she's a smart cookie. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that would have been like, oh, five Gs, here you go. And then they'd hear it later on and going, ah, oh, son of a gun, I should have held on to it. And, you know, we were talking about relationships and the importance of those. And for the next couple of years, every time Mariah came to Boston, she would tell her record label, Tell the Rose Lady. She could never remember my name was Candy. She just called me the Rose Lady. Ask the Rose Lady if she will please introduce me. So I introed her every time she came to Boston because she remembered me as the Rose Lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. At least now there's no one else that can claim that. So that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. I wonder what I'd be remembered for. Can you not have that annoying guy near me? That's probably who I'd be. The annoying guy with no hairline. I was just about to say, you would be the hairline guy. <laughs> yeah, hairline guy. The one who still has the white chalk written on his forehead. I don't understand that. I'll never will. Um, but, no, I, I, I like this. I really do like having you on air. Your energy is amazing. This Thank is, you. This is what you should have – and that's why they moved you to morning radio. If you didn't know, having all these years of experience, they moved you to morning radio because it's, like, the top-tier spot. Because Jay wanted it. Yeah, I've always aimed for morning radio. I think I'd be awesome early in the morning, but then I'd also be lewd in most people's I'd be eyes. half asleep, so. Well, you would. But. Dimitri, I'm telling you right now, you'd be, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you shouldn't even be driving a car. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, see, for me, I have insomnia, so I'd just be up. I'm always <laughs> up. I could do the morning show and the late night show. I'd actually do the late night show and just have it go into the No, no, you'd show. be like that janitor from the station. You'd fall asleep through the, in the, during the show. But I wouldn't. There you go. I wouldn't <laughs> because even when I'm asleep, I'm awake. Everyone's experienced that with me. I could be dead asleep and you'll just turn around and I'll be wide awake. So it's as long as uh, once you hear the intro to the show, you just wake up and I will the show. pop up like you've given me the most potent drugs in the world. <laughs> I will just be up and at it. So, <laughs> Candy, is there anything else that you would like to express to the audience? Is there anywhere else that you want them to check out uh, where they can find your music and more information? Sure, I would love that, and I'd be very grateful. Uh, just go to CandyOterry.com. That's my website, C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. And you can order my CD right off of my website. And, again, proceeds benefit Lucy's Love Bus, which provides comfort and care to children who are dying of cancer right here in Massachusetts. That's such a powerful, like, actual huge powerful charity. I almost, like, choked up because I know a couple of people that have passed recently. So it's just one of those things where knowing that your heart is in that, and, yes, there is a, there's a side of it for you in the spreading of your music, but it's also just because the, the proceeds go towards such an amazing charity started by somebody who was affected by such a horrible thing that we face every day. Um, I just I, I want to say I expect to hear more of you 
it's now Thank where you. you've gone from being a guest to an expected host. Um, <laughs> Maybe uh, I can do some fill-in work for you guys. Yeah, you Absolutely. most definitely are always welcome. Uh, we are, you know, we're local, so you can always come here. We will never say no to you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me. I really had so much fun talking to both of you. And might I say, you had great questions. Oh, well, thank you. I try. <laughs> I try from time to time. Actually, I just tried with you. No one else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so very much. And we're going to have you hold on uh, during the break. But we're going to cut to a break, guys. We just had uh, Candy O'Terry. She's still on the phone. She's. Uh, if you guys have questions, actually, text us, 857-445-0424. Um, other than that, we're just going to cut to a break. And thank you so very much, Candy, for coming on air. Somewhere over the Find me a place where temptation can't get in. I know there's life beyond this reckless road to quench my thirsty soul. I'm gonna steal me away 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 Back. That was an amazing interview. Uh, this is the gag order radio stretch. Start off with that, huh? Now look, I don't even know how to do it anymore. I'm completely just flabbergasted. I'm lost. Uh, but it's uh, your host, No Hairline, and in the booth is uh, the angry Russian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna call you No Hairline from now on. Yeah, it's Jay and uh, Dimitri. Uh, I am um, thinking of getting, like Dimitri said earlier, a sharpie and coloring in my hairline again. <laughs> um, but no, we had on the phone with us the amazing. Uh, the adorable at times, but the very, very well-spoken uh, Candy O'Terry. Mm-hmm. She is uh, also doing music, so again, check out her website. Look uh, ahead for dates when she comes on air again to let us know that she's going to be performing. At Scholars is one of the places that she said that she's really into. Mm-hmm. So uh, look out for that. She does adult contemporary, but she can sing, so that means maybe she, you can ask a request for, you know, Lil John to the window to the wall. <laughs> I'm just... just She's very talented. She's uh, a namesake here in Massachusetts and in the New England area. I'm just so very happy that we had her on air. I hope that we can be working with her in the future. But uh, speaking of the future, it is now the future of the show, and we need to be off air. So with that being said, um, I'm Jay. Dimitri. And we are the Gag Order Radio Show. Please stay tuned for a repeat of On the Edge with John Doherty. See you guys next week.